0: We're in week, uh, where where are we, week three? Week three. Week three of our current sermon series called Bless This Mess, where we have uh, kind of dedicated ourselves to recognizing what it is to be real in our families. None of us are perfect. We all claim to be. All of our Facebook profiles would say we are, but ultimately we all know deep down none of our families are actually perfectly functional. We all carry dysfunction with us. That's part of just being in a family. And so we've dedicated ourselves in for this month, this five weeks, to going from that real, hey, we're all, you know, in need of some, some better stuff, to the ideal. And that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect when we end, but it means we want to get a better sense of where God wants us to be and what God's design for family truly is. And so we're going to begin to intentionally march that direction. So if you've missed the first two weeks, you can go on our website and you can click on the sermon link. You can listen to those two. Last week, uh, we... Uh, introduced a question that we said was maybe a revolutionary question in your marriage and your family and any relational dynamic and i've already heard from a whole lot of people that that question is getting asked and it's really been well received and so if you don't know what that question is i'm not going to spoil it you can go back and listen to it uh, but keep going with that today we talk about mission mission our mission is up on the wall it says our mission to know jesus and make him known odds are any great organization has a great mission great companies companies you love have a great mission google google's mission is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful that sound about right for google they're pretty successful at that organizing the world's information and making it universally acceptable accessible and useful now there's one or two of you in here that are using bing or altavista or yahoo search still stop that right you don't do that Everybody, you don't even call it searching on the internet, you call it what? Just go Google it. They made up their own term, they made up their own verb, and they did so because they were so successful at their mission of organizing the world's information and making it universally accessible and useful. So we don't search anymore, we Google. Every decision that is made at Google, their entire direction is informed by their mission. And all of your favorite companies, all of your favorite organizations, this is largely true. One of my favorite uh, companies now is Casper. Who's ever heard of Casper? casper makes mattresses okay ooh, innovative right casper makes mattresses and their their uh mission statement is great sleep made simple what's so hard about mattresses when's the last time you went to a store and bought a mattress you ever gone through this process this is the absurdity of humanity uh totally played out in one setting I don't know why we do this, why we have mattress stores, but what do you do? You have to wait for a sale because there's always a sale and it's always on a random holiday that you never knew existed. Oh, it's the Flag Day sale at the mattress store. So you have to go to the mattress store on Flag Day and there's a giant gorilla on top of the mattress store. It's a blow-up gorilla and everything's 90% off and you're like, okay, great. You go into the madhouse of the mattress store, then what do you do? You pick out the mattress that you want and then you get the pleasure of what? Figuring out how to get this giant rectangle home. And so you load it to the top of your car. If you're a man, you act like you're really strong and you put your arm out the window and you hold it down. And every man who's ever done this, you know how ashamed you are that you've tried this because at 60 miles an hour, your hand is not keeping that rectile, rectangle from flying away, right? But this is, this is our best idea of how to get a mattress from a store to our house, how to get a new mattress in our, in our home. And Casper said, this is ridiculous. We need to have great sleep made simple. So Casper comes up with a way to mail you a mattress in a box that's small enough that I can pick it up by myself king size mattress they compress it it shows up on your front doorstep you pick it up you carry it into the room and then you open the box and this is where casper had me because you open the box and it's not like a booby trap and you fly against the wall the first thing you see is a handwritten note from the people at casper and they mention 80s music right so now you got me we're all in and so you're going okay well that's sweet of you to give me this note Seems like it's a really good company. Seems like it's a good mattress. I think I like this. So far so good. So you're about to take the mattress out and it's in this super compressed little thing and you go, how do I not ruin this? And guess what the next thing you find is? They give you a little tool and it's just a little tool and it tells you exactly what to do and I cannot ruin it. What they've done is idiot proof the entire mattress process. And you didn't think you needed it to be idiot proof, but I've left more than one box spring on interstate highways, okay? We needed this. So then you gently open up your mattress and it sort of just unfolds and then all of a sudden it's there and it's on your bed and you didn't have to wait for Flag Day. And I thought about it and I said, you know what, Casper's done it. It's great sleep made simple. Huh. And what you look into their company and everything they do is about making great sleep simpler. How do we make it simpler? How do we make it easier? How do we help you have convenience in your life so you can have a great night's sleep and you don't have to worry about it? It's just weird, simple, directional shift. And that's what mission does. Mission gives us direction. Mission always informs direction. Great movements always have clear mission because the mission is the foundation that studies the whole. And families are no different. You have a mission statement in your family whether you've ever articulated it or not. Your mission statement answers the question of why do we exist? If you've never asked that question, if you've never articulated that, why does our family exist? The answer to that question would be your mission statement casper good sleep made simple google organize the world's information amazon make it easy to find anything online jesus had a mission statement jesus began his ministry by reading from the prophet isaiah and he establishes his identity and his purpose in this first reading so we're going to read what jesus did and then we'll come back and see how he distills this later luke chapter 4 verse 14 jesus returned to galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, "'The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.'" then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to him and began by saying to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing jesus takes this messianic prophecy of the prophet isaiah he reads it out as to what this role this purpose of the messiah will be and then he says by the way that's me there was no doubt that jesus knew why he was on earth why he existed and the distillation of that later in uh, the book of Luke we can actually find when he's dealing with Zacchaeus the tax collector in Luke 19:10 it says for the son of man Jesus is speaking he says for the son of man came to seek and save the lost ultimately would you take that Isaiah passage and you distill it down into a one line mission statement for Christ and you look at every interaction that Jesus had on earth this is it the son of man came to seek and save the lost It's just as catchy as great sleep made simple, but it's way more profound. Jesus sums up his interaction with Zacchaeus, who comes from a fig tree into a follower of Christ. And he sums up their whole interaction by saying, of course, this is what's happened to you. Of course, you've come to follow me. Of course, because this is why I exist. I exist to seek and save the lost. Other ways in in Luke, he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What a clarifying statement In, in Mark 2, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, and that's who I'm here for. See, the Pharisees rejected Jesus for a whole lot of reasons. Some were political and some were power-related, but one of them is, is partially because he wasn't about them. Jesus didn't come to try to convince the righteous to do better. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And every interaction you see, when Jesus has these decision points to make, these directional changes he can undertake, if you read back through the New Testament, you see that Jesus always takes the direction of the lost. When he can join into a powerful cadre of people having a a heady theological discussion or he can go eat with a sinner, he goes and eats with the sinner. Because Jesus is here to seek and save the lost. It's the existential requirement. Of his being. And it drove all of his actions from there because mission sets direction. Mission sets direction. We ask questions around here and we have uh, directional decisions to make. Should we do this ministry? Should we take on this project? Should we add this program? What what should we do at Covenant Church? And it's not hard to answer the question because we go back to the mission statement and we go, well, does this help us better know Jesus and make him known than what we're doing now? If we're replacing X with Y, is, is it going to be better at helping our people know Jesus and make him known in this area? And if the answer isn't clearly yes, then it's an easy no. Yeah, we don't have to do that. Sounds like a great program. Sounds like a really cool idea. Sounds like it would be really life changing for someone, just not us, because it's not going to help us in our mission. And it sets a clear direction for everything we do. We've personally not been exempted from this. John 17. Jesus says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world. He's he's praying. Jesus says, so that they, his followers, may have the full measure of joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. Jesus says, my prayer is not that you, Father, take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And then verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. Jesus is praying. And this is the longest prayer that we have from him on record. And, and the kind of key cornerstone pivot point of this prayer is as he's praying for unity among the followers, as he's praying for protection for the believers, he says, as you sent me, I send them. Sent. Missio is the word. We get mission. Sent ones. So, missionaries, we call them sent ones. That's what they are. They're sent to go to a specific pocket of people and bless them. So, when Robert and Jenny are sent to the campus, they're sent ones. They're missio missionaries. The funny thing is, none of us are exempted from that. Every single one of us, like they said, are missionaries in our context. It just is depending on who is the pocket of people that you've been called to reach. Jesus was sent on a mission to seek and save the lost. And then before he left this earth, he included us in the mission. He said, guess what? It's my mission and it's theirs too. We are sent by Jesus on a continuation of his mission to seek and save the lost, to know Jesus and then make him known among those who don't otherwise know him. The question becomes, how are we doing at that? Donald McLeod, an author and theologian, he challenges us on this. He says, Jesus did not, as incarnate, Jesus did not live a life of detachment, but he lived a life of involvement. So we'll ask the question, is any of this true of me? Jesus lived where he could see human sin, hear human swearing and blasphemy, see human diseases, and observe human mortality, poverty, and squalor. Jesus' mission was fully incarnational. It was totally happening because he taught men by coming alongside them, becoming one of them and sharing their environment and their problems. For us, McLeod says, as individuals and churches in an affluent society, this is a great embarrassment. How can we effectively minister to a lost world if we're not in it? How can we reach the ignorant or the poor if we're not with them? How can our church's understanding of deprived areas grow if we are not incarnate in deprived areas? How can we be salt and light in the darkened ghettos of our cities if we ourselves don't have any effective contacts or relationships in the Nazareth of our day? McLeod says we are profoundly unfaithful to the great principle of incarnational mission. Jesus came right alongside people and shared their experience at every level which I say, whoa, it's kind of the Jesus punch for the day. Are we living out the mission that Christ has left us? Or are we living out our own shadow mission, our own thing that we're really after something else, and Jesus is a nice accessory to that, but it's not really what we're about. We're called to this work that McLeod describes. We're called to the work of being with those who are deeply in need, whatever that need may be spiritual or physical or mental or emotional. We're called as a church family. And I would say, more often than not, this church family is striving to be faithful to that mission and should be congratulated for the work that gets done. We're faithful to that direction. And more every day I see we as a church are pushing outward into the seek mode, seek and save the lost. We have this outward focus that... That comes with our mission our mission if you think of it i always say it's like a sponge to know jesus is to be soaked in the sponge to just be totally filled up so that when we go out we can be wrung out and all of that goodness can just drip out onto the world around us and then we go back to christ and we fill up again and then we go back into the world and we give them the the life that he's been given to us So we reach out, we build relationships, we we begin to know the hurting, we begin to sit in their pain. This is actually happening actively in our community groups. Community groups are a pretty radical thing when they're working. And we have some incredible ones that meet all around the city, all around the region, and they're, they're doing this. Each community group is challenged to do three things, gather, share, and bless. They gather together regularly, they share life together, they push each other towards Christ, and then they bless. Bless a certain pocket of people in the community. So we have one community group that, um, that gathers and they share, but they're, they're blessing. They bless Young Life. They pray for the public schools. They want to bless the Young Life leaders because they want to help reach the lost on campuses in this city. There's a spaghetti dinner tomorrow uh, here in the gym. You go, come here tomorrow, and you can have spaghetti dinner. And it supports Young Life, and it's a fundraiser for Young Life in and camp, and, and seeing kids who are otherwise lost be found. So if you want to support Young Life with our community group that's already doing it, Come buy some spaghetti tomorrow afternoon. Easy. Done. You're welcome. We have a community group that supports the pregnancy center. Their, their goal is to reach the hurting and the lost moms-to-be, these women that have chosen to keep their child over abortion. And so the goal of the community group is what can we do in little ways and big ways to slowly bless that pocket of people so that they might know the love of Christ. We have a group that's about global connections, which is reaching the lost and disconnected internationals in our city. There's a group that is about Kids Count Two that is about reaching lost and abandoned kids and helping them find forever families. We have a group that's about BGSU Rally Cap, which is about helping reach families with special needs throughout the region. There's a group that's about Brookdale and the elderly in the city, and they are about reaching the lost and the lonely that have been forgotten about. There's a group that is about Grace Place that is here to reach the lost and the addicted in our region due to the opioid crisis and other recovery issues. All throughout this body, this family we are living out mission every day and it's amazing and when it happens and the stories trickle in of this person crossed the line of faith or this person just they've leaned in and this person's finding health and this person's finding hope it's not because we sat back in our homes and we got real comfortable it's because we took on the mission of christ to seek and save the lost When Jesus says, I'm sending them into the world, he's literally saying, I'm putting you on the same mission that I'm on. And each one of us in this room that would call ourselves followers of Christ is a missionary to a pocket of people and is a minister of the gospel everywhere we go. We don't have professional and unprofessional ministers. We don't have paid staff and unpaid staff. We don't have hierarchy of, well, he must know more because he's the path. We're all ministers. We are all required to live out the gospel. And there are denominations and there are religions out there that will allow us to pay somebody to be our proxy. And that person can go be holy so I can get on with my life and I'll show up every so often and just get it, I'll get it over with. Lord, may we never be that. May we be the kind of people that say, I am the missionary, I am the minister, and we have someone who is serving us and cheering us on, but never anything more. We are a group of people that are dead set, ruthless about reaching the city. The mission informs our every move. The mission informs every move. As a church, we're going to be focused on reaching people for Christ. To displaying his love and his grace. Mission informs every decision we make because mission sets direction. We've said this, mission sets direction. As an organization, as a family, as an individual, your mission sets your direction every day. Every suggestion we get, a lot of good ministry ideas come in. We ask the question, does that help us better know Jesus and make him known? The same is true for your family. Your mission sets direction. As a result of your direction, you have the answer to all the questions that come up throughout the day. Do we save or spend? What do you eat tonight? Who do you open your home to? What activities do your kids participate in for example let's take something that probably isn't your mission but let's pretend let's say your family mission your current family your future family think about it. our family mission is uh, let's say it's to uh, see the world before we leave it oh well, that's sort of fatalist <laughs> all right let's say that's your mission though i want to see the world before i leave it so then the question tonight becomes, hey, it's Sunday night, you know how that goes, groceries haven't been bought, and the next week hasn't started, and we're, everybody's scrounging around the pantry looking for something to eat, and no one can find it, and the question comes up, hey, what do we do for dinner? Well, if our mission is to see the world before we leave it, and someone asks the question, do we want to go out to dinner or have cereal? Most people go, whatever, just let's pick one and do it. The family on a mission says if we consistently save money on dinner, that means we can extend that European vacation by one day, thereby better accomplishing our mission of seeing the world before we leave it. So let's have cereal. That way we can do the thing we actually want to do. Because our mission is clear, the direction is clear, and the decisions fade away. People say, well, yeah, but we don't have an articulated mission, but we kind of, you know, we know. We know what we're up to. We're good. I said that for years. I don't need that. Those people are, you know, a little bit too organized with your articulated mission and our family exists to blankety blank, whatever, you know, we're good. I don't think it's true. I think lacking an articulated mission as a family is missing out on an incredible opportunity. We're taking a family road trip this summer. Uh, Our family is excited to live this far north because when you're in Texas, you can drive 87,000 miles and never hit another city. It's just too big. And so you're like, you want to go on a road trip? You're like, yeah. How far do you want to drive? Nine hours. That'll put us somewhere in the middle of the desert. Well, let's go somewhere cool. That'll be three days. Okay, never mind. Let's stay home. Here, we are connected to everything, and everything is sort of within driving distance. And so if you didn't know and appreciate this about living in Ohio, congratulations. You live in a great spot. So we're going to make a driving trip. We're taking a road trip to New York City where we like to go, and then on the way back, we're going to do this kind of looping turn, and we're going to see Niagara Falls, and we're going to do that. It's going to be a blast. We're super excited. What's the most important thing in planning a road trip like this? What's the one thing you need before you can ever start the trip? It's not food. It's not hotel reservation. It's not sunscreen, travel guide. It's a destination. You can't start the road trip until you know where you're supposed to end up. The only way to set the direction is to articulate it. Because I could say, "Ah, you know, we kind of know where we're going. We're just maybe drive east-ish. I don't know. But if, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't have the destination in mind, if you don't know that, then you can't ever start. The directions never get set. And you get to the end of the driveway, and you literally don't know whether to go out left or go out right, because I don't know where we're ending up. And so whatever you feel like for the day is where you end up going, Life is a family road trip. Without a clear destination, you can't even begin to map out your directions. You don't know where to stop. You don't know where to eat. You don't know where you're staying. You don't know anything because you actually don't know where you're finishing. And if you haven't articulated where you're going, then you're never actually going to get started on the route there. This is how we end up with parenting strategies like I just try not to screw them up too much. And we chuckle and we're self-deprecating. We're like, you know what? I just wanna, don't want to mess them up too much. We all make mistakes, right? And you're like, that's not a strategy. Or marriage philosophy, I hear sometimes, like, you know, I guess we should, you know, sort of hope to try to stay in love. <laughs> you're, you're so over it. You know, you're like, never. This is where you want to bring in all the people that have been married for 35 years. I want to keep them in a closet in the office. So when, like, I'm counseling a couple in the premarital, and they're like, we're just, you know, we're just kind of hoping to stay in love and keep the fires burning. And I'm like, hey, you guys come on in. And I just want like a whole bunch of couples to come in and just start laughing. You people, you'll see. Thanks guys. That's all for counseling. That's kind of what I want to do one day. The reality is avoidance of disaster is not a plan and hope is not a strategy. Avoidance of disaster isn't a plan and hope is not a strategy. Jesus has given us a mission. Jesus didn't say just sort of try. Jesus didn't Instruct us to live a pin-the-tail-on-the-donkey kind of life where we go blindfolded and we just, you know, whatever. Jesus says you have a mission, and it's clear, and because it's clear, it directs every single moment of your life. All of your steps are heading in one direction. He didn't send us to not make too much of a mess. He sent us to carry on the mission. Seek the lost and tell them about me. And so what makes an incredible family, what helps us escape the mess move towards the ideal that god has designed us for is a little thing called intentionality and it's a it's a little concept but if applied to a family life can have radical impacts on our everyday living intentionality casper makes it insanely easy to get great sleep Amazon makes it easy and efficient and pleasurable for me to literally buy anything on earth. Google makes it really so easy for me to access and use data. Covenant Church, our mission is to equip and challenge every single minister that calls this place home to make Jesus known. Mission drives everything. Mission sets direction. And so when your family, the question we ask today in this series is where are you trying to end up? What is the destination? And some people check out here because we're getting practical and all of a sudden that gets a little heavy and we go, "Well, no, where do you want to end up? And some check out because they just don't want to deal with the practicality. Some check out because we're not in the best place right now. And we go, you know what, if you knew where I was right now, I wouldn't even get started. If I'm going to New York, I'm like halfway across the Rockies. I'm going the wrong way so far. And to turn around, to do the U-turn now seems like a lot of work. What I would challenge you to do is it is okay to articulate an aspirational mission for day one. The person who's unhealthy and goes into the doctor and the doctor says, you got to lose this much weight and quit this and stop that and cut this out and no more eating this. Like 90% of those people go home and they go, you know, I just can't do all that stuff. That's a lot. And the people who actually change and the people who extend their life are the people who go home and go, I'm going to make one change today. I'm going to make a little thing. I have an aspirational goal and I can get there a little at a time. And so if you're headed the wrong direction, you've never done any of this and you go, gosh, this just seems like a lot of work, commit at least to have an aspiration. Once you have that, the challenge becomes how do we get practical and how do we articulate what it is that we want to be about? There's uh, cards on every couple seats, and there should be enough for everybody to grab one. If you uh, don't have one, you should pick one up because I want you to hold it up so I can see it. Um, these are for you to take home. These are for you to uh, put on your fridge and articulate things and make your neighbors wonder what you're doing at church and why you have these weird cards everywhere. Here's the idea. The M on the top of the card stands for mission. And so if you would like to in your head, when you read that, when you see that M, it says might as well say, we exist to blank. Our family exists to blank. And you get to fill that in. And every family is different. There isn't like a right answer and a wrong answer. And oh, you put that on there. Maybe travel is important to you and you feel like if your kids see the world, they'll have a better perspective and that'll make them better followers of Christ. So add that. Make sure that's in there. But what is your core existential mission as a family? If you don't know how to answer that question ask this one instead some of you are in this place now and you've had to consider this what do i want my grandchildren to know of me when i'm gone a mission is setting a 50-year trajectory in your life it's recognizing that we don't get forever but that forever matters and we can change it in the next 50 years and so if you ask the question what do I want my grandchildren to know of me when I'm gone? Odds are you will get the, the, the foundation and the scaffolding for your mission statement pretty quickly. I want my grandchildren to see me as generous. I want them to see us as loving, as accepting, but as truth tellers. And I start writing all these things down. And, and our family's been talking about this because we're, we're cheating and we're ahead of the curve. And I was testing some of this stuff out on them. And we're asking these questions, what do we really want to be about? And when you boil it down, the answer that you get, the thing that goes in the blank is the essence of your existence. As followers of Christ, it's going to have something really rooted in in God there, obviously. But the rest is this incredible experience that's actually way more fun than you think, that whether you have little kids at home, you want to have kids one day, or um, you've long passed that season and you've got grown kids and it's just one or two of you and you're going, why do I even need to do this? Because direction is set by mission. And if you still have days to live, then you still have a direction to seek. Our family exists to blank. On your card, we're going to fill in the V next week so you can save it. If you want to post your mission on social media and tag the church, feel free to do that. What an encouragement that would be to your friends and neighbors who are like, wow they're serious about this in my family we've been working on this what we have right now it's a working definition and we're not sure if we're going to settle here but we're we're so far at love god by sacrificially loving each other in the world we're trying to get the order right like who are we here for kids are the ones that said sacrificially and steph's like yeah sacrificially that should be there what are you thinking But is the one who goes, yeah, sacrificial, that that matters. Like we should be giving of ourselves for others. Have that conversation at the dinner table and see the magic that happens when you infuse mission into lives. See the magic that happens when you infuse mission into your own days and it's no longer I wake up and I just do whatever the next impulse is. We go, where am I going? What is the destination? What will get me there quickest today? And so as a people... I guess my prayer is that we would be an aspirational, intentional, and missional people, and my prayer is that this simple little half-page paper tool will be a little bit of a motivation to get us started. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you uh, sent Christ. We are thankful for Jesus and his mission. God, we confess that more often than not, uh, our days don't resemble his mission, the one that he left for us. We uh, spend far less time seeking and saving the lost than we do uh, seeking ourselves and saving ourselves. Yet ultimately, God, uh, your grace and your mercy is overwhelming. And so even on our worst day, uh, you hold out hope for us that we can join the mission, we can start anew, we can turn a new direction. Father, that we can walk with you. Lord, our prayer as a community is that as we chase a mission together as a church family, that we would each be able to confidently know where we're headed. God, that you would use uh, something as simple as articulating what we exist for to begin to transform and radically change families. God, we are imperfect, and you know that. Father, our prayer is that in chasing you more clearly and being more deliberate and more intentional, God, that we would have a clearer sense of our days, and as a result, we'd have a greater impact on this place. So, Father, my prayer is that you would use today and you would use uh, even the scripture that's read and the words that are sung, God, you would use that to inspire hearts, that we individually might know you better, and in knowing you better, we would be ever more inspired to make you known. God, thank you for placing us in this city and placing us in this region and giving us access to these people, letting us be your missionaries and your ministers in this place. Father, may we be sent ones. In Jesus' name, amen.